Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But we're continuing on. Um, once again, Greg and Kate are still out this week. We'll be back this next week. But they are in England right now, I believe, which is pretty cool. Um, and they deserve all of the respite and all the breaks. So continue to pray for them. Pray for them as they as they fly home. Um, I know international travel is not always easy, especially in these times. So so pray for them. We're thankful for them. Um, I get the privilege to speak today. Last week, Brandon came. Um, and Brandon is down to kids today. But he came and he talked about the first part of chapter 3 of Colossians. And he talked about some different realities. Okay, he talked about the reality of God. He talked about the reality of Jesus and Jesus' relationship to God and everything that entails. He talked about ourselves and our relationship with God and Jesus and how that works. And then he talked about life. Okay, and really what Brandon boiled it down to, the first part of chapter 3 of Colossians is this belief and knowledge that you are loved by God. That when God was looking for something to create, he was looking for something to love. And that is the basis for what I want to talk about today. One of my favorite parts in all the Bible is when Paul talks about the old man becoming the new man. Okay, The old man being who you were before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Okay? Everything that is nailed, everything that brought with you, your desires, everything like that. And Paul outlines what you are to become. And that's one of the most beautiful parts of the gospel, and oftentimes we miss it, is the change that is happening right now and through us all the time. So I want to look at that today. I, I want to go through it and see what Paul's heart on, is on that and, and just, just get a lot from it. So, But let's just open in prayer before the time. We'll pray again. Father, God, again, I'm thankful to be up here. And Lord, I just pray that each person in here, myself included, will be able to hear your voice. That your spirit in this room would prick our hearts with what needs to be pricked. You would challenge us with what needs to be challenged and that we would move forward for you. That we as believers would not look the way that we used to as the old man, but as something new. That it would honor and glorify you in everything, God. God, would you speak? We give you that in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you can open up to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, Broncos going to throw it up on the slides for us, and we'll just read all of it really quick and get into it. And it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's good. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But also, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants or slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, 
and there's no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This might seem random, but as I was reading this this week, I thought of Tom and Jerry. And that doesn't really make sense right now, but in a second, hopefully it will. How many of you have seen Tom and Jerry? Yes. That's a classic, right? And uh, as I was thinking about that, like, there's no words in it or anything, but I was thinking about the irony in Tom and Jerry. Okay, when you look at Tom and Jerry, you think of a, a cat and mouse game, we think of cats as smart, right? Or, or do you guys think of cats as smart? I feel like they're pretty smart. They're smarter than my dog, normally, I would say. My dog's not the smartest. Um, and then mice, not really the smartest. So when you look at it, it's okay, how do you make even a show out of a cat and a mouse, right? And the whole show, if you haven't seen it, is all about Tom, the cat, is trying to catch Jerry the mouse. And basically, it's a kid's show that we talk about that. He's trying to eat him, right? And that's the, that the point of it. So he's trying to catch him, and Tom, he, he creates all these booby traps, everything, all these elaborate things to catch Jerry, but Jerry's too smart for Tom. And that's the irony of it. What you expect is that the cat is going to catch the mouse, but really what you find is Jerry's the smart one. And Tom will end up with like, like a broken thumb or all these different things, that funny things that happen to him because he's trying to catch Jerry. And as I was reading about this today, this is where it connects. Um, in, it, in this past week, I was looking through this, I see some different ironies in regards to our new walk in life with Christ. Some things that you would expect to be in your life are not quite what they turned out to be. And you can put up there, irony is a state of affairs or event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects. That's from the Oxford, Oxford Dictionary. Oxford Dictionary. Um, so let's read, if you want to put up verse 18, our first irony that I find today in our walk, in our new walk with Christ, and what it should look like, is that the, there's your open, it's in the summer. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When I read this, it excites me, right? That's like that's a cool line, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's exciting. I think about, ooh, okay, in my new life with Christ, all of the things that I get to be, right? That's like, ooh, I'm going to get some power. Uh, I'm going to be given these things. It's an exciting new life. And I begin to think about all the possibilities for me. But then I keep on reading. And it says, with the word of Christ dwelling in you richly, Here's what you need to do with it. And teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of somebody else. So I see that for my new life, I get excited about what it could be for me, but realize in the end, irony number one you can put up there, your new life is not about you. That's the irony of new life. Your new life is not about you. And let me tell you, when I first hear that, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I, I don't like things to be about me, right? Like, like I, I like to do things for me, and that, that sounds like God's taking away something from me, but really what it is is freedom. Yeah. Knowing that you don't have to be anything, you don't have to do anything specific in your own way, everything that you do is for someone else. Yeah. It's in the name of Jesus, and that others will come to know who that Jesus is. And it takes pressure off. That's the first irony. But the, the world we live in nowadays is this funny thing. For some of you, maybe you'll connect with this. It's a strong thing that people talk about right now. It's called being the main character. Oh, wow. Come on. Has anybody awesome. heard that? Yeah. That's, like a, that's a thing people are saying a lot now. Like, oh, you're such a main character. What does that even 
what does that mean, you know? But it's, it's this idea that like everything revolves around you, you're the hero in your lows, everybody sees your lows, but in the highs, you're victorious, it's that whole main character energy. And it's so contrasting to what our really our new life is like with Christ. When we choose Christ, we die to ourselves and become something so much better. And it's not about us. But as I was thinking about this this week, I, I thought of one of, really to me, it's one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible. And it's the story of the rich young ruler. Does anybody resonate with that? The rich young ruler? I won't put it up here, but I'll paraphrase. The rich young ruler comes before Jesus. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher. And then continues on. And Jesus' response to this man is like funny and unexpected. And he looks at him after being called good teacher and says, the only person that is good is God. And it's like, okay, Jesus, why? Like, you are God. So he's not wrong in saying that, right? So why is Jesus responding and saying, the only one that is good is God? And the answer is because the man came to Jesus not wanting to correlate him with God the Father. Oh, wow. He wanted to come before Jesus and get what he could out of Jesus, but not make reference and connect him to the God the Father. He only wanted to single out Jesus to get what he could from him. I put, but when Jesus tells him to give up his riches, he's unable to bring himself to do it. He comes before Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have done all of these things. I've been a good person. People look at me well. Uh, I've done well in my life. In fact, I even follow all of God's laws. What must I do for eternal life? Wow. And many of you know this story. And Jesus looks at him and says, sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. And one of the most heartbreaking, because it resonates today with so many people in this world, is it says he went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. He was not willing to give up what was needed in all order to follow Christ. That's right. And you can write this down. If you feel disconnected from Jesus as a believer, check what you've been treasuring. Yeah. If you feel disconnected from Jesus, check what you've been treasuring. He comes before Jesus. And he says, Jesus, take me. I want eternal life. But the problem is he came to Jesus not looking for Jesus to be his master. He was looking for Jesus to give him the power to be his own master. He didn't want Jesus to lead his life. He wanted Jesus to give him the ability to lead his own life. And I think for how many of us do we come before Jesus and we say, Jesus, you can have my life, but I have to keep it the way it's been. Say, Jesus, take me, but keep my old man and don't make me new. And it, it, it pricks my heart because I think of all the things that I bring to Jesus that I'm not willing to let go of. Some of us, we bring our relationships and we say, Jesus, take me, my life, my, my all, I surrender all, but take me and don't change this relationship. Don't change my, my, my girlfriend or whatever it is for you. We come before him and say, don't change this. Let me tell you one of the most powerful parts of my life was when Lexi and I broke up when we were dating. And I had to go before God and I said, God, I want desperately to marry this girl. But I haven't been treating her correctly. I haven't been doing the right things. I've been following the Spirit. In all honesty, I can see a point where me and Lexi would be together, and it's good. And it's following you. But the reality is I could be willing to give that up and say, Jesus, whatever you want from me, you have it. The most, one of the most powerful moments in my life was me saying, God, I desperately want this, but even that, 
Even a relationship with a godly woman is less than what I can get just from a relationship with you. I wrote that some of us are, are bringing our finances and our financial stability and we're saying, Jesus, take me, but also leave my finances alone. Keep me stable in my finances. And that's, that's where this man was. For some of you, it's even the thought of a relationship. And you say, Jesus, take me and what I want for the future and use that. Instead of saying, Jesus, pull apart every part of me and reform me into what you want me to be. And I believe that there will be peace and goodness in that. The first one is if you feel disconnected from Jesus, check what you've been treasuring. We must live in the realization that our Christian walk is not about us. When we believe that it's not about us and it's about other people, we become much more willing to give up the things that we have desired, knowing that there's something greater. That's right. If we're going to follow this teaching as believers, if we're going to go out and show people the love of Jesus, we have to live lives that are willing to sacrifice the things that we were as the old man or woman in order to become something new. It's one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible. We just have to step into it. And I see another eye in here. We're going to find it in verses 18 through 21. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And with all of these, these four different people, groups, or whatever you want to call that, there's a challenge there, right? For every single different person, there's a challenge of what their walk is supposed to look like. And they're going to mold together, sort of. But what I see here, the irony, the second irony, if you want to write it down, is going to put it up there. Leadership is made strong in surrender. That's right. Leadership is made strong in surrender. <laughs> this past week, I'm just, I'm just laughing at myself. Because this last week, uh, we went to a party. It wasn't like a... It was just like a get-together. Uh, but we, got, we went to a get-together, and there were a bunch of couples there. And we were sitting around. I don't know if we were talking about this. But we were talking about like how each of the couples like argue amongst themselves. Like what your argument style is. We are talking about that. And then promptly, Lexi and I go home and argue about something when we got home. It was about bed sheets. Um, I, those of you that don't know me well, I like watch dogs a lot. It's how I make some extra money. And we let them on the bed because we're, we're lame. And we just let them fiddle with them. And so, so it carries up the sheets, okay? I'm going to be honest. But it wasn't on the forefront of my mind. Lexi brought home um, some new sheets, which was, which was really nice of her. Okay? And she was like ready to put them on. She was like, oh, I'm like, let's put these new sheets on and we'll sleep in these. And it was late. And the thing about me is I cannot sleep on new sheets that haven't been washed. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Like, I hate the smell of like things that are new that haven't been put through the washer yet. So I won't put it on the bed. And so I would rather sleep on the dirty old sheets than sleep on this like weird smell that's, I don't know, it doesn't. So, Lexi has this way, when she tells, like, when she's firm about something, a lot of times I'll just get into that because I have less will. But on this stance, I, like, desire to be strong in it. And so I tried to tell her, like, firmly that I wasn't going to be sleeping on these new sheets and that we need to find other ways so we can start arguing about it. And then she, like, went in the bathroom was getting ready. We were still upset with each other. 
And all that was to this. I was sitting there, and I remember what I had been studying for and preaching this week, that leadership is made strong in surrender. Yes! And it, when I look at my wife and I choose to argue about sheets and get really mad at the way she reacts, there's no strength in that. Right? We're not strong together. In that. But if I surrender and say, well, see, I still didn't sleep on the sheets. So I'll do that. But say, I love you and I see where you're coming from and I'll sleep outside if I need to. Like, we ended up sleeping on our futon. For those of you that are in a small group, you've seen how small our little futon is. But we slept on that and now the sheets are washed, they're on. So. It's all good. But that's the power of surrender. And as I've gotten older, I'm still awful at it. But I have gotten a little bit better about surrendering. Okay? And it's not just in a relationship like that. It's surrendering in all of those things. And really, what keeps you from doing it, it's a simple word. It's pride. Yeah, that's good. It's pride. And you can write this down. If you feel like you are not seeing real fruit in life, and nothing good is happening, check the way you perceive yourself. If you're not seeing real fruit in your life, check the way you perceive yourself. Because if you have too much pride and you can't look past what you want, you're not going to see things happen for Jesus. I'll be honest, I've seen it in my life many, many times. Things will not change if I can't get over my own desires. If I can't surrender even in leadership what needs to be surrendered. I wrote that some of you may struggle to stick to God's truth, when you're talking with people because of your desire for everyone to like you, that's pride. Wow. Surrender. Wow. If you show them to talk about the truth of Jesus Christ, it's because you value people's perception and opinion of you more than you value God's word. Yeah. It's something I struggle with. Surrender. Some of you miss the point in conversation when others are talking to you because you're so ready to give them the wisdom that you have instead of seeing them and hearing where they're at. That's a big one for me. I'm always ready to say something, but I'm not always ready to listen. That's pride. That's pride. If we're going to follow the new life, we have to surrender that pride. That's right. I wrote to some of you, and I saw this. Actually, Hannah Chad shared this this week on social media. I thought it was really good. But it's like that, that moment when we look at ourselves and like, man, I haven't been good about my long time with God. I haven't been reading the Bible. I haven't been praying, I haven't been doing that kind of thing, and we blame it on whether we have time or not, and all these different things, but the reality of it is that we believe that we are enough to satisfy and to, and to get ourselves through our day more than we believe that Jesus is what we need. Wow, that's awesome. It's pride. Yeah. It's pride. And if we begin to look at those sections of our life, and we look at them in a healthy way, and say, man, I'm struggling with these things, but if I call it out and say that's pride, and I surrender it to Jesus, that's when we can find transformation. But so many times we struggle to actually look at ourselves and to call it what it is, and to give little excuses and examples, when really, the 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 values that a lot of Christians look at today is that you have it all together, but really what God will look at your life and value is you are looking to be changeable. Not about where you're at, but if you are changeable. And if you are moving forward. That is what he values. We're going to have new life in Christ. We must remember it's not about us. And also that we must surrender. We must surrender. And we're going to read this last one, this last irony. It says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. This is slaves. 
And Paul says, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, still fear the Lord, even in your situation. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there's no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. As we read this, it's hard to read because Paul is addressing people that have been just beaten down by life. Many times for, for, for no reason, not because they deserve it, but they are in a tough situation. And he looks at them and he says, you have hope. You have hope. And it's not just hope for the future, it's hope right now. And you can live in that freedom right now. If we're going to take something from this, you can write this down. Irony number three, the presently enslaved in the new life, they walk in freedom. And probably you can put that up there. The presently enslaved walk in freedom. And notice I didn't put presently enslaved will walk in freedom one day. They walk in freedom right now. For many of you, you can't resonate with the life of a slave like this. But let me tell you, you've been, you've been enslaved to different things in our society. You've been enslaved to sin. And God looks at you and says that you can walk in freedom right now. Wow, that's good. Knowing that is the first key. But then also taking that and sharing it. When we believe that we walk in freedom, that, that, that God has set us free, we are so willing to bring others to that freedom. But the problem that I have and many people have is that I forget the freedoms that I've been given. I forget the things that God has transformed in my life. And when I forget that and I'm not thinking about it, I forget how important it is for those around me to know what God can do for them. I must be thinking about all the things that God has been doing and is doing through me. And I'll say it again, one of our favorite things in Christian walks and circles nowadays is the act that we have it all together. And it keeps us from believing that other people need Jesus. Because we feel like we have it all together so we don't need Jesus ourselves and we forget the power of grace and transformation that Jesus wants to bring. I wrote, if you've been struggling to share God's story with others, Check the things he has rewritten in you. If you've been struggling to share God's story with others, check the things he has rewritten in you. Some of the most wonderful people in this church that I have gotten the pleasure to know and that moved me in my faith are people that are able to look back and speak openly about what God has done for them. Yeah. And I want to challenge you today if you're sitting there, and you can't think of any big thing that you need a transformation from. The small things are important too. And we need to believe the idea that we're consistently progressing towards Christ. And that right now as you sit there, as I stand here on the stage, there are things in me that need to be rewritten. As I walk forward for Christ, I need to be open and willing to change. That is what God calls me to. When my wife accepted Jesus Christ... One of my favorite stories, Lexi, for so long, and I asked her if I could share this. For so long, she struggled with an eating disorder. When she was in high school, she struggled with the perception of herself, how other people saw her. And the day that she met Jesus and fully believed that Jesus was enough to satisfy her, the eating disorder was done. Wow. The very day. 
And that not, might not be the perfect story for you. It might not have happened right away. Let me tell you, that doesn't matter. What matters and the reason that Jesus worked, the transformation worked, is because she truly believes that Jesus is enough for her. And she doesn't have to be anything for anybody else anymore. That's so good. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And as you sit, I challenge you to think about what God has been doing in you. That's a big thing. But I can think of small things too. When I was a counselor, I had a camper that came in to my cabin. I can tell he just, he went by with me. You know what I'm saying? He, I, so as a counselor, my mentality was, we're going to get to sleep whenever it's bedtime. I'm not going to do anything that makes him think that like I'm more cool to sacrifice sleep. Because it's a busy week, there's a lot going on, and if, if they're hanging, if I'm hanging out with them way past bedtime, and we're just doing whatever, and I'm being really cool, they're not going to be able to stay up to hear God's word in the morning. That was my mentality. And I wanted sleep, to be honest. So... So I would, if they would be up and they'd be talking, I would say, shut up, I'm trying to sleep. And I would keep doing it and doing it until they went to sleep. And every day I would tell them, remember, this is the reason that we go to sleep. This is the reason we do these certain things. is so that we can be able to pay, pay attention to what God is speaking to us. So let me tell you, when I'm half asleep, God's really got to pull me out of that for me to be able to hear what he's saying. Okay? So I was firm on this. And I can tell this, this guy did not love that. He didn't think I was cool, I can already tell. He wasn't like outwardly against me or anything like that, but he just didn't really form a relationship with me. And I'll never forget, it's such a small thing, but at the end, end of camp, at the end of camp week, I remember throughout the week, I would see his attitude changing. At the end of the week, he came up to me and he said, hey, Dalton, can, can we talk over here? And I was like, yeah. So we went over there, and he says, man, I'm not gonna lie, I thought you were really lame. I really did. I thought you were really, really lame. I thought you were going to bed and everything. And he said, but throughout this week, God has been working on my heart. And it's a small thing, right? That's not big. That's not, that's not something that we do as big, like an eating disorder or whatever that, that we can struggle with. But it was just the status of his heart. And he came to me and he said, man, I thought you were lame. This whole week, God has been working on me. And I want to apologize. This is like a 16-year-old kid. He said, I want to apologize because that wasn't right. Now I see why you were the way that you were, and God has really been working on me. And when I go forward from here, and I see people that I don't quite understand right away, I'm going to listen to God before I listen to myself. It was beautiful. That's transformation. That's simple transformation, but that's transformation. So my challenge is this week. If we we're going to go from the old man of what we were before we accepted Jesus our Savior and go into the new man, we must believe that we, that we what is the, the first part? We are not by ourselves? Okay. And then the second part, what is my second part? Leadership is made strong in surrender. And then the last one, whatever I just said. So I'm not going to say that. But thank you guys all for coming. This week, as you're thinking through your life, take those things and give them to God. Yes, give them to God. Give yes. your attitude, give all of that, and say, God, what can you transform? And then you can come all up. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you've given to us. And God, I just pray that your word will continue to speak. I pray that we would take your word and that we would let it sink into us. 
and that we would move, as we move forward, that you would transform us into a better version and glory of what we need to be. Not that we will ever be perfect, but that we are moving in progression. We give that to you today, God. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.